basketball the basketball segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate Mette, and terry what's up boys uh so going all right in today's episode we're talking straight about the nba finals uh we'll recap games four and five that happened this past week then we'll jump right into uh sort of an overlook of the finals where we'll talk about how our predictions are looking and i guess just general thoughts on the series and then we'll just hop right into the preview for game six uh, which is happening on tuesday night uh we'll definitely talk about that as well as maybe touch on a few other things so uh, let's just hop right into it Uh, we'll start with game four this game was played in milwaukee the suns headed into that game up 2-1 in the series but milwaukee took the game to tie up the series 109 to 103 Uh, just taking a look at some of the stats for the game chris middleton 40 points to lead the Bucks. we had devin booker there with 42 to lead the suns deandre ayton 17 rebounds to lead the suns and yanis had 14 to lead the Bucks. Chris Paul with seven assists to lead the Suns, as well as Yanis adding eight for the Bucks. Uh, Nate, let me start with you on this game. Um, it was a crucial game because if the Suns had gone up 3-1, this series would be pretty much over. Um, I guess, what do you think the Bucks did well in this game to get the win? Um, I mean, I guess they leaned really heavily into their starting five, and it seemed to really pay off. Um, I guess most of their players who got um, minutes, I think most, it was pretty much um, the starting five for pretty much the whole game. And then Pat Connaughton was off off the bench for them with 11 points and nine rebounds. Um, Chris Middleton had an amazing game, obviously. Um, Drew Holiday had a pretty solid game. So yeah, they I feel like they they leaned into their starting five and it worked out. Yeah, I mean, uh, not just starting five. I mean, you mentioned Connaughton. I, I even Bobby Portis got at least 20 minutes in this game as well. They had a lot of guys they could really lean into in this game, and I guess it paid off. And I guess, Mete, I'll get to you on this. Uh, seems like the depth for the Bucks seems to be working compared to that of the Suns. I guess, w- what did you not like from the Suns in this game? Yeah, so I saw a couple problems, problems with the Suns, sorry. Uh, first of all, I thought that they turned the ball over too much. They had 17 turnovers as a team. Uh, They also did not shoot the three-pointer very well. They shot 30% from the three-point line. And Chris Paul really had a rough night shooting the ball. And I think he had around five turnovers as well. So his efficiency wasn't great. And uh, the fourth quarter, it just, uh, they kind of choked it there as they lost the quarter 33 to 21. Yeah, I think one of their main issues was not giving DeAndre Ayton many offensive looks. I mean, he only had six points um, and he only had like nine attempts. I feel like he usually gets a lot more than that uh, during the game. Uh, Big mistake on their part. Obviously, he was still there to uh, get all the rebounds there in the paint, Um, especially defensively was really strong. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, Chris Paul, too many turnovers in this game and they didn't get a lot of points support to support uh, Devin Booker, who dropped 42, had arguably one of his best games in this postseason. Um, I guess, Terry, getting to you, um, I guess what needs to happen for this Suns team for them to even win a game um, in this series? 
Um, after game four, honestly, you need to focus on giving the ball to DeAndre Ayton more a lot, especially when you look at like some of the clips, whether it be highlights or if you were just watching the game as a fanatic of the sport of basketball. Sometimes when it's the Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll, uh, Booker would always get the bigger man, whether it be Bobby Portis, Brook Lopez, or whoever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then down in the paint, you see DeAndre Ayton with like a little munchkin, like, I don't know, Drew Holiday or Pat, whoever. Well, I'm trying not to disrespect the guy's name, Pat Connaughton. Pat, Pat Connaughton, yeah. Thank you. So you get what I'm trying to say. When you get that big mismatch, big uh, mismatch down in the paint, you got to feed the big man and get him rolling in some type of way. Try to get the Bucks not to rely on the switch so much, but try to rotate their men a lot more. Because when you get in and paying, then you got like at least a foot size compared to like the guy guarding you. You got to take advantage of that. And if, like we all know, out of respect, Devin Booker, he can make any shot he can, especially in game four. And eventually when we get to talk about game five, we'll say that again. But sometimes it's a basketball uh, basketball is a team sport and you gotta feed your other guys and that's what I gotta wrap up by saying for game four for the Phoenix Suns yeah I can honestly agree with almost every point that you said there especially with the switch-ups that's one thing that I've noticed as well is the Bucks seem to execute well on their switch-ups but the Suns haven't been doing it maybe it's because of the Bucks defense I feel like that some of their guards can uh, guard some of these bigger players if they have to a guy like uh, Drew Holiday is one of the more talented defenders on that team so um, yeah it's going to be tough for the Suns either way um, I guess I can sort of use that as a way to transition into game five. Um, it was rough for them in game five as well. This game was at home this time for the Phoenix Suns. They dropped the game though to the Bucks, 123 to 119. Um, I mean, they pretty much had it in the bag um, for a while there, but the Bucks just really came back and they really made it a game and then ultimately uh, got the win. So um, I guess, Terry, this time I'm going to jump right to you. Um, I guess, uh, what was your thoughts on the performance for the Bucks in this game? Um, performance for the Bucks, I basically have to say the same exact thing. Their switching was tremendous, um, especially when you have Aiden in the paint against the bigger or the smaller defender. Uh, and with Devin Booker trying to create a shot outside and whether it's the mid-range or the three-point line, uh, you got a guy like, I don't know, for, for example, let's say Giannis switches quickly to the bigger guy in Aiden. And they did tremendous in switching quickly enough to avoid that mismatch in the paint. With that being said, I mean, you see Devin Booker with the 33 shot attempts and then with Aiden only having 12, imagine if like Devin Booker quickly feed to like a guy like, how should I say, Aiden in the paint and then he could have easily got more than 20 points. And maybe we could be singing, oh, Phoenix is at 3-2, but instead the Bucks tremendously they great on defense, and having said that, they had two tremendous uh, clutch moments at the end of the game. I believe one was uh, Giannis and the block on Aiton, and then I believe it was the alley-oop right after that. I'm not a thousand percent sure. I was kind of tired after watching that game, but having said that, the Bucks did tremendous on the defensive end, and then it resulted in a 3-2 series lead. Yeah, especially uh, with a guy like Drew Holiday getting those clutch steals off of guys like Booker and, and Chris Paul. I mean, that's that's what they're paying him to do as sort of the 
the third guy there. Um, and yeah, the big three really balled out in this game. Uh, pretty equal scoring among them. Yanis had 32 points, Middleton at 29, and Drew Holiday at 27. So, I mean, when you're paying these big three guys big money, those are the guys that need to come up big for you if you want to win games, and they clearly did that. Obviously, Yanis led his team in scoring. We had Booker leading his team in scoring again with 40 points. So back-to-back 40-point efforts from Booker pretty much gone to waste at this point because they weren't able to win either game. Um, Aiton led the Suns with 10 rebounds. Yanis had nine to lead the Bucs. Drew Holiday had 13 assists to lead the Bucs, and Chris Paul had 11 to lead the Suns. Uh, Mete, just getting to you right back onto the Suns. Um, I don't know, was this more of the same of last game, them not having the depth? I don't know, what was the issue for you with the Suns? Yeah, the story was kind of the same. Uh, the Suns had a lead. This time it wasn't like last game where they lost uh, in the fourth quarter. They really had a really bad uh, second quarter and third quarter. They lost the second quarter by 19 points and third quarter they lost by seven, which uh, for the fourth quarter comeback made the mountain too deep to climb. So uh, yeah, they their numbers this game were actually really good. They shot 55% from the field, 68% from three, uh, 91% from free throws. It's just, they just had two really terrible quarters and then they didn't have enough time to come back. Yeah, um, that's definitely a thing I noticed as well. In the middle quarters, they were just not playing up to par. They were missing a lot of their shots. Obviously, Booker, uh, 50%, 50% shooting is not bad uh, from three, but um, I mean... He, he was pretty much doing everything by himself. Uh, he didn't, really didn't have the support. Obviously, Aiton had a double-double there. Uh, Chris Paul did have 21 points, but I don't know what it was about this team. But, yeah, they just haven't been getting the depth scoring. And uh, when the Bucks have been getting it, uh, it's really uh, helped. You know, guys like Connaughton going four for six from the three points. I mean, yeah, if you're hitting threes at that rate uh, from your bench, guys, I mean, that's really solid. Uh, you know, obviously Drew Holiday had a good day shooting as well, 60% from the field. I mean, if you're getting that kind of shooting, even from guys like Yanis also, uh, it's great. Um, but Nate, uh, let me just get to you, I guess. Um, just looking at the Bucs, uh, I'm just looking at this team. Uh, they've won three straight games. Uh, I guess what do they have to do to make it four? I mean, just continue doing um, what they're doing. Um, it looks like there isn't really um, too much um, different that they need to do. I think their current game plan is kind of working. Um, I mean, they still can't really stop um, Giannis or slow him down effectively enough. And Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are also um, right there. Pat Connaughton, he's he's had a really solid series so far. So, um, I mean, just continue to lean into their strengths because it looks like um, the Suns are kind of struggling to stop them. Yeah, clearly uh, that's been an issue for the Suns. I know I talked about last week how the Suns always seem to start out well, but they just sometimes can't close it out. Uh, it really looked like that again in this game. Obviously, 37 first quarter points. Um, they really played well. I believe they also had 61 points at the half. So they they really started out well, but it just really didn't finish off uh, well for them there. Um, I guess we can just look at the series as a whole. Obviously, Milwaukee is up 3-2 as we're recording. 
Um, game six will be on Tuesday night in Milwaukee. So a great chance for them to close off the series. Um, I guess, Mete, let me get to you first. I guess, what was your prediction for the series? And I guess, how is it looking out? Yeah, so I went Bucks in seven. And honestly, it wasn't looking too hot at the start when the Suns went up 2-0. But I mean, the Bucks are playing amazing lately. They've won three in a row, like you said. And they've got a home game coming up, I believe, in game six. So uh, it looks like they have a great shot to finish this off in six. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. I also had the Bucks in seven, but they might even close it out in six. Obviously, um, we stuck through our prediction, even when the Suns were up to nothing. Um, you know, I, I just saw this Bucks team as being very deep, as being very defensive. They can pretty much defend against any team. They've done it in this playoffs. Um, and yeah, just winning three games in a row like that really proves that they've been able to make adjustments and they've been able to capitalize on a Suns team that's really been turning over the ball too much, like you guys said. Uh, so, Nate, let me get to you, I guess. Uh, what was your prediction for the series and how's it looking? If I remember correctly, I think I said um, Suns and Six mostly because of um, the Chris Paul Disney story. I was hoping that he'd be able to kind of prove every everyone wrong that he's still um, the number one point guard in the league. But uh, I guess that's officially impossible, the Suns and Six. So, I mean, it I think momentum-wise, the Bucks have all the momentum, so the Suns are probably going to have a huge mountain to climb. So, realistically, you I, you could say like Milwaukee in either six or seven, but I guess I'll just go Suns in seven for sentimentality reasons. Yeah, for sure, you got to stand behind uh, the team you picked. Uh, I feel like because I mean it is still possible for the Suns to turn things around. Obviously, there's going to have to be a lot of adjustments made. Um, you're definitely going to have to lean into their bench a little bit more. I definitely agree with what Mate's been really pushing about that uh, in terms of the Suns. And then, uh, Terry, just getting to you, um, I guess, so what was your prediction for this series and how's it looking? Honestly, the prediction came from my brain instead of my heart. If it was my heart, I would have went with the Bucks, but for some reason, my brain was telling me to uh, go with the Suns in this case. Unfortunately, uh, the Bucks managed to find... I don't know. I wouldn't say the fountain of youth, but I would say Chris Middleton and Drawley managed to look like, I would say near all-star, or not near, but already all-star caliber players. Because in those first two games, I'm guessing we can all admit that they did not look like they should have been in the starting lineup at some points when they were on the court. Uh, and it shows you that when you get one of those two guys to start getting hot, uh, the Bucks are in for a great night. And for the Suns to capitalize on or try to win game six and game seven, they have to rely on guys like Aiden, as I've been saying. Uh, when you get that, uh, Devin and DeAndre pick and roll, you got to feed the big man in the paint off those switches. And unfortunately, they're not doing that enough. And if you're wondering how many games I had, I think I had Suns in six or seven. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the Suns can still come back and win it, but you're 100% right uh, with the Bucs. Um, one thing I've noticed about the Suns is if they want to win, they got to pretty much be the better shooting team. Uh, we noticed that in games one and two, their their shooting percentage was amazing. Their efficiency was amazing. Uh, and then for the Bucs, uh, their offense is very surgical. They, they really know how they want to run it. And if they're very precise with it and you give them any looks, they're pretty much going to hurt you at that point. So 
they just really seem to be on another level right now. Um, we're probably going to have to see uh, some defense from the Suns like we haven't seen this from them this entire playoffs if they want to win game six and then possibly win game seven as well. So it's definitely going to be a tough road for the Suns coming out of uh, game five, but uh, definitely game six, um, it's pretty much do or die for them at that point. So I guess on that note, we'll just hop right into the preview for game six on Tuesday night of the NBA finals. Obviously Phoenix is in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are favored by five points as we speak. Um, uh, I guess, Nate, let me just get to you first on this. Um, I guess who wins this game? And if the Bucks win, do they cover five points? Um, I guess uh, from the what it looks like from the projections, it looks like um, the Bucks should be able to win. Um, I think that the Suns can cover, though. But I also said Suns in seven, so I'll just go say for sentimentality. If you want to be sentimental about the Suns, then you can kind of pick the Suns to win. But um, if you're really feeling the momentum for the Bucks, then pick the Bucks to win, but the Suns to cover. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking along the same lines as you are, I guess. Uh, I think the Suns are not going to go down without a fight. Uh, if they lose, it's going to be right down to the last buzzer, overtime possibly. Um, that's probably the kind of game you're looking at. I mean, if the Suns win, they should be able to win by a handful, but obviously the, the Suns aren't favored. So I think probably taking the Suns on the points should be safe either way, uh, even if they don't win the game. Um, obviously, I do like the Bucks to win because they're at home. Obviously, they got to put it away in game six because if you give the Suns any momentum, I think that it's a very uh, genuine possibility that they end up taking the series in seven away from the Bucks. So th that's something that the Bucks don't want them to do. Um, I guess, Terry, let me get to you. Um, I guess, do the Bucks win this game? And if they win, do they cover? If the Bucks do win, I mean, let's not talk X's on all right now. All the momentum's on their side after game five. Uh, with that being said, I, I want to say they win. And if they do win, they barely cover the spread because I think for the past how many games we've been talking, uh, either you get a blowout or you're literally this close to screwing up the spread, uh, the spread for everyone else. So with that being said, um, realistically, the Bucks should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns pull something out of the rabbit's hat, but yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think you're right about that because I believe we had uh, the Bucks to win by four and a half last game, or uh, sorry, we had the sorry we had the I believe we had the the Bucks to win by like four and a half or one game, and then they won by like three or something. Like there there was one game where we picked and it was like super close. Uh, we lost by like a point. So these spreads are usually pretty accurate uh, when it comes to games. So, um, yeah, it, it, I'm pretty much on the fence at this point. It's really tough. I'm sort of leaning with the Suns covering, I guess, whether they win or not. But, Mete, I guess let me just get to you. Um, who wins this game? And I guess if the Bucs win, do they cover five points? Yeah, I feel the same way as you guys. I think that the Bucs should win this game. But uh, the last two games, games four and five, have been really close. So, I think the Suns can actually cover here. But... I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks won. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Bucks do win this game, then it's done. Uh, that's the championship for them. Obviously, it's been over 50 years since they've won a championship, so really big for them. Obviously, the Suns franchise hasn't done so yet. Um, I know we talked last week a little bit about finals MVP. Uh, it's pretty much Giannis at this point. I think we can all agree with that if the Bucks do pull it out in game six. Obviously, with the Suns, it's a little bit more in the dark, I guess. It could be Chris Paul. It could be Devin Booker. He's made a case for himself recently with back-to-back 40-point games. But um, I guess, uh, Nate, I'll start with you. I guess, what are the Suns' chances of pulling out of this series uh, with a Game 7 win in your mind? Um, it's going to be kind of tough, um, especially with um, the Bucks at home. So it's going to come down to pretty much can they beat the Bucks at home if they can do that then they uh, will have a chance so this game is basically do or die for them yeah um, I definitely agree with that um, I guess Mete getting to you um, what are the chances of the Suns uh, winning this series um, I would say around like 35 uh, percent I saw the stat I think the Bucks have maybe like two losses at home in the playoffs all season. So it's going to be really tough for them to win that game six. But if they do win it, they actually have a great chance at home to uh, pull off the comeback. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking along those same lines. I think that maybe they have about a, a 30 to 35% chance of winning game six. But I feel like if they win that game six, then going into game seven, they have at least a 60% chance at home because if they can sort of get their shooting rhythm going um, and they can play some type of defense on this Bucks team, I feel like that uh, they could probably carry it uh, over another game. I think what really made them stumble was those back-to-back games in Milwaukee where they just couldn't find their form. And then by the time they got back home, uh, they just really didn't have that form. So if they can somehow find uh, their form in game six, I think that they should be able to carry it over to a home game in game seven. But I guess, Terry, what do you think about that? What are the Suns' chances of winning this series? Suns' chances? I'm not thinking about the 35%. I'm not thinking about the 30%. thinking about DeAndre and getting more touches in the paint. As I've been preaching this whole podcast episode right now, um, I've been saying if you get a difficult shot in the mid-range, just beat it to the big man as quick as possible, get that easy two points, get back on defense, do what you got to do. Um, when Brook Lopez is on the court, take advantage of that. He's more of a liability on defense than any other player on the court at those moments. Uh, capitalize on those things. We might see a game seven. If not, congratulations, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, if they get it to a game seven, you got to hope those fans to, like, count down Giannis uh, under the charity stripe, honestly. He's only shooting 68% this series. And uh, if it does go to a game seven, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes under 50% from the charity stripe. With that being said, I mean, I think this series is – Pretty unpredictable just because of the fact that we don't have no storylines to go off of beside either Giannis or Chris Paul. And honestly, this is great for basketball when you stop and think about it. Uh, we don't need to worry about ESPN, Fox, or whoever telling us the narrative. It's just us thinking and talking about. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with you. I guess to touch on a couple of your points, uh, you talked about Lopez being a liability. I definitely agree with that. Uh, them either having Portis or Yanis at the five defending has definitely been great for them. Um, 
them being able to make that switch quick enough. I, I feel like, yeah, Phoenix starts off well. You got Lopez on the court early in the game because obviously they want him there for the tip-off and all that. Um, but then, yeah, they make that switch and it just really turns the game around for the box. Um, I guess, yeah, like you said, Phoenix just has to capitalize when Lopez is there. Then you mentioned Yanis from the free throw line. I mean, I, I believe it was Chris Paul that said we're not capitalizing off of the rebounds he creates. So uh, we noticed that too many times, I guess, in game five where Yanis would create a rebound and then the Bucks would just score two points. So, I mean, he'd miss one shot, but they still get two points out of it. And that's not good. So definitely something the Suns need to work on. Um, I guess one other final point, I guess, unrelated to the finals, it's sort of about Team USA basketball. Uh, Terry, you're the main person I want to talk to about this since uh, you're pretty much a, a crazy Spurs fan. Um, Keldon Johnson getting selected for Team USA. Obviously, as Spurs fans, we know what he is. Not a lot of other basketball fans know who he is. Um, I guess, what's your impression of him? I mean, 15 points in his debut. He was really solid. Uh, people were sleeping heavily on this guy, calling the USA GMs crazy for selecting him as a replacement. I guess, uh, what do you think of this whole thing with Kelvin Johnson? Well, to address what people are thinking on the internet, first of all, I mean, if we're selecting someone outside of the practice squad or whatever you wanted to call the other team that they were practicing against, uh, whether it be guys like, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you got to choose from those guys because, I mean, they're more uh, ready compared to the guys like LeBron, Stephen Curry, whoever you want to mention, that's a big name. With that being said, I mean, uh, as you said, Osprey's fan, no, he's missed a 2020 for this year, 20 points, 20 rebounds. He's an energy guy that uh, the Team USA team needs. With that being said, uh, I honestly forgot what the question was, but just trying to address to what most fans are not understanding about Kevin Johnson. He's basically an energy player. He can grab loose rebounds that some guys are going to be uh, not putting more effort into. With that being said, I mean, it's great for Team USA, especially with guys like, I think they have players like Bam Adebayo, uh, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant. I'm not sure if Draymond Green's on the team or not, but yeah, he is. That's, yeah. that's just to name a couple, you know what I mean? And with those veteran legs that have been through the playoffs, they might not want to put a lot of effort into the exhibition games. And that's another thing, like, it's exhibition games. Why are you worried about those games? You got to worry when you get to the Olympic games, man. Like, come on. Yeah, honestly, you pretty much summarized everything I said uh, completely. Yeah, Kelton Johnson is a terrific player. People are finally getting to see who he is. Um, I guess, Nate, I'll, I'll bounce to you um, on a different question. Um, obviously, Trey Young has said that he's wanted to play for the Team USA. I guess, why haven't they selected him as a replacement? To be honest, I'm not really too sure why they haven't selected him. Um, I guess there might be some kind of um, concerns about fit somehow. They're not sure how they would kind of fit him into the offensive system. That's the only thing I can really think about, but... Other than that, in terms of talent, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in Team USA. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. I think it's pretty much a mistake they're making not selecting him. Um, he clearly expressed interest that he wanted to play. Um, I'm not sure what the GM's thinking there, but uh, I guess we'll definitely have to see how this roster shapes out. And I guess Mete, sort of close it out. Um, you're a huge Carmelo Anthony fan, obviously. 
Um, I, I guess a lot of people have been lobbying for him to be selected as a replacement on this team. I guess what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, they should look at it because uh, you guys have been talking about guys like uh, Trey Young not making it. Like Nate said, he definitely has a skill, but is the fit like uh, does he fit in their system? And sometimes you don't need the most skilled guy, especially for Team USA. They already have so much skill that you need guys like a Keldon Johnson who's high energy, who do who's gonna go for loose balls and uh, not uh, you know try to score all the time. Like the players they have can already score. And Melo has been he's I feel like he accepts his role now uh before he was really kind of stubborn he wouldn't want to be a bench player he's still like oh i can start but i think that year he was out of the league uh he really uh self-reflected on what he needs to do and i think he understands now that uh just if you're given a role why not just put do you uh your absolute best and not complain you know yeah, I definitely agree with what you said regarding both uh, Mello and Keldon Johnson. I feel like Johnson was selected because I think Greg Popovich really knows his game, uh, you know, being the coach of the Spurs. He can definitely utilize him in the right way. Um, I guess, yeah, you're definitely right about Mello, you know, being that guy that's willing to accept uh, whatever role he's given now. And I mean, he's very efficient now as a player uh, because of that. So definitely a, a guy that you could easily slot in there. Obviously, uh, he has a lot of experience playing for Team USA. You know, we've seen him in the Olympics before. We've seen him in other tournaments. Uh, so definitely a guy that can sort of bring that international experience to the table. Uh, so definitely, uh, yeah, those, those three players obviously would be solid choices. Kelvin Johnson's already on the team. And if they want to take a look at maybe a guy like Trey Young or Carmelo Anthony, I definitely think they should, but, uh, I think that's pretty much the end of our episode of big time basketball, uh, today. And, uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at fan fan podcast. Obviously, um, we're coming to the end of the NBA finals picks. We'll have one or two more left, uh, because there's only one or two more games. So definitely get them while they're still, uh, getting up and, uh, we'll definitely uh, be back with more picks once the NFL kicks off in September. So definitely look out for that, uh, for the podcast. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. Make sure you like subscribe, share, uh, click the bell for notifications on YouTube, uh, leave us reviews, all that good stuff. And guys, uh, it's going to be uh, maybe one more episode uh, on the NBA Finals. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next episode.